Word of God, 100% guaranteed. That's our message today. So uh, get your Bibles out. Let's open them up to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be looking at just two verses today, verses 16 and verse 17. Um, This book is the awesome work of God. I'm always careful how I use that word, right? We should use the word awesome. Um, Sports players, uh, athletes aren't awesome. They may be good, but they're not awesome. They make great plays, but they're not awesome. God is awesome, and his word for us is awesome. And uh, we want to take a look at that today. We want to be encouraged by it. We want to see it through the lens of what um, Paul was teaching Timothy. And uh, Timothy is uh, being reminded about this tool that he has that's been given to him by God so that he will endure in the battle. Uh, You will remember three times uh, last week in the message that uh, Paul says to Timothy, um, take note, get your attention. Get focused. I've got some things to say to you. In verse 1, he said, understand this. In verse 10, he gets focused again. You, however. In verse 14, but as for you. Um, He wants Timothy to not lose this, and he comes down to really what one of the major focuses was in all of those things we saw about what the world looks like and and how God works and how we serve faithfully. We come down to this. We've got this tool that God has given to us. It is a foundational piece. You know, so often in my life, I find myself when I'm struggling, I'm I'm going and asking people for help, or or I go and I find a book on a topic, and and those aren't wrong things, especially in the Christian context. There's there's wisdom. There's wisdom. Wisdom in a multitude of counselors and, and books that are written are helpful, but are, is, is this the third or fourth place that you go when you need help? It should be the first place that we go uh, when we need help. And so you'll remember that in verses 10 to 14, Paul talked about my teaching and what you have learned. And in verse 15, you're acquainted with the sacred writings. Like Paul was setting the table all the way through that text to come to these verses. In verses 16 and 17, they say this, all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the privilege that we have. We can hold it in our hands. We can read it whenever we want to. We can uh, hear from you through your word, Lord. All scripture is breathed by God. And so as we take a look at a message about the book today, we ask, Father, that you would just stir our hearts If we've left ours on the shelf since last Sunday, would we be challenged and would we be convicted of that? If it hasn't had the place it should have in our hearts and our lives, would would you show us uh, through your word today? Would you be honored during this time, Father? The word says you breathe this out. And so, Lord, I pray that we would listen carefully to what you say. Give us minds to understand. And thank God, faith to believe faith to live these things out for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was given an Apple Watch. Still trying to figure it out. Still trying to make Siri stop talking to me when I don't want her to. All those things are going on. But I have this Apple Watch, and a couple times a day, it says, breathe. Which is, like, what have I been doing all day? right? It's like, I, th- I think I was breathing. I, I don't think I forgot to do that, but it says to breathe. And then what you're supposed to do is just stop and 
stop everything you're doing and just take some breaths, slow down, and breathe. Right? That's actually good for me because I tend to get going. You're running along with all the things you're doing, and it's good to stop every once in a while and breathe. Um, but in this text, it says all Scripture is breathed out by God. And when I think about the breath of God, when I think you do a whole series on that, on different where's, where that is in the Scripture, that's not the point of today, but it says God breathed this out. And so what we are about to see is what God put out for us. Hey, we're living in the middle of a pandemic, whether it's droplets or whether it's whatever it is. It's just like everybody's afraid because it's what's coming out, right? Okay, well, the word of God is coming from God himself as he is breathing it out for us. And it's that important. It's that foundational for us. And so uh, we want to take a look at that. If I was to put this message down to one big idea, I would take that big idea from Romans 15 verse 4. For what was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so how do we have that today? How does that look in our lives? How does that come out of this text? Let's dive in. I'm just going to walk through the text, walk through these verses. Here's the first thing. It's the tool. What is this tool? Um, it's not secondary to any other tool. It is the tool that we have. A God revealing himself, God giving us his word so that we can have it, we can read it, we can know it, we can live from it. Um, we have this tool. Our church's doctrinal statement says this. We believe the 66 books of the Old and New Testament to be the full record of God's self-disclosure to mankind. Different men, while writing according to their own styles and personalities, were supernaturally moved along by the Holy Spirit to record God's every word inerrant in the original writings. Therefore, those applying themselves to study its literal, historical, grammatical context can accurately understand God's word. Scripture is fully trustworthy as our final and sufficient authority for all life. That's what we believe about this book. That's how important we believe it is. It's not another book on the shelf. It is the book on the shelf. It's not another book to guide us in our life. It is the book to guide us in our life. This, this book that I hold in my hand was written over 1,600 plus years by, um, and into 66 different books by over 40 different authors on three different continents in three different languages, and yet it comes together as one book. It was written by shepherds and kings and scholars and fishermen and prophets and military generals and cupbearers and, and priests, all penned portions of the scripture. They had different immediate purposes for writing, whether recording history or giving spiritual or moral instruction or pronouncing judgment. They composed their work from palaces and prisons, the wilderness, the places of exile, while writing history and laws and poetry and prophecy and proverbs. In the process, they laid bare their personal emotions, expressing anger, frustration, joy, and love. And yet, despite this marvelous array of topics and goals, the Bible displays a, flaw, a flawless internal consistency. It never contradicts itself or its common 
theme. God has given us a book that he has carefully prepared for us. But he worked through different people in different ways. And, and, and we need to read the scriptures understanding those things. Um, I, was, uh, I was, the other day I was thinking about this message and I found myself singing the old chorus we used to sing when I was a kid in Sunday school. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse. If you're not over 50, you don't know that song. Um, every chapter, every verse, every line. And it goes on from there. That's not even a true song, right? Every promise in the book isn't mine. Right? There were promises for certain times for certain people, right? And uh, God promised something. But the promises of God's word, as they apply to us, are for us. And we hear them, and God's preserved them for us. I love John 21, 25 says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So all truth that is found in our world is not found in the Bible. But everything that's found in the Bible is true. Right? Everything that there is to know is not found. The text said, like, all the books in there, you couldn't contain all that there is about God and all that there is. But everything that is in this book, everything that God has given us in his word is true. In 2 Peter 1, 20, 21, it says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so God has given us this tool. Um, but we don't worship the book, right? It's so important that you understand that. We don't worship the book. Um, probably 12 years ago, um, we were a young church. We were in this building, but we were a young church. And I was on my way home one night and I went out to the car. I was carrying a bunch of stuff and it wasn't this Bible. I, I put my Bible up onto the roof. You know what happened, right? I put my Bible up onto the roof of my car, put the stuff in, climbed in. I'm driving up McCowan. I make a right onto 16th and my, my Bible keeps going north on McCowan, right? And uh, so there it is. It's a windy night. It's a stormy night. It's a dark night. And uh, by the time I got all the pieces of my Bible put back together, because it was all over 16th Avenue, um, there's like tread marks through Genesis. So somebody ran over it, right? Um, and it was troubling to me because it was probably worth a hundred or so dollars. But I don't worship the Bible. I don't, I don't worship this book. Um, some of you have this form. Some of you have it in your hand. Some of you have, I have about 10 of them. We don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible. We, we study the truth of God's word. I believe we need to respect it. I believe we need to treat God's word because of what it contains. But this should never be an idol. Don't let this be an idol in your life. Let what's in it, the truth of what's in it, be what constrains you. Let it be what guides you. Um, we should value the book, but we don't worship the book. We worship the God of the book. And so the text starts out and it says, all scripture, all scripture. And then it goes on and it says this, is breathed out by God. Is breathed out by 
God. There's another part on our website. If you go to it, um, it says this. Uh, our statement says this. We believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of the scriptures that they contain all the words of God that we need in order to completely trust and obey him. The scriptures are inerrant in their original writings and are infallible in their instruction, eternal in duration, the final authority and standard for faith and practice and sufficient for counsel in every issue of life. God breathed this book. It came from him. So there's three words that are in that statement that I want to pull out and just very briefly talk about today because, you know what, we need to have a class on this. Like, how did we get the Bible? How did it come together? And then how did it end up in our hands in English? And what are the different versions? And what does, that's like, like, that's a whole course. That's courses, if you go to Bible college, um, of how that all came about. But there's three words that I want us to focus on and just think a little bit about this morning that come right out of that statement. The first one is the word inspiration. The word inspiration. So the text says, all scripture is God-breathed. Or all scripture, if you read other versions, say, is inspired by God. It's generated from God. It's breathed out from God. It's inspiration. God breathed. It refers to the fact that God supernaturally guided the authors of the Bible to write exactly what he wanted them to communicate. Peter didn't write in the same style that Paul wrote in. Paul didn't write in the same style that John wrote in. Uh, John, the gospel of John is filled with love and love and love and love. And, and they had, that came out of his context. It came out of who he was. It came out of who he was writing to and why he was writing. The different gospel writers, all four of them were writing to different groups of people for different reasons, but it was all taken care of under the inspiration of God. None of it is there by a mistake. None of it is not needed. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Paul, come on. Have you not read the first chapter of Matthew? Did you preach that, Jason? Were you the guy who got that? Yeah. yeah. You got, yeah. And he begat, and he begat, and he begat. Really? Really? And then you go in the Old Testament, and you got, and he begat, and there are this many people, and all of that is to prove the truth and the consistency of God's word. Um, those lists in Matthew, that list in Matthew is, is bringing us to understand the Messiah and the, the path of the Messiah right down to Jesus Christ, and now God protected, and it's like, it's hard reading, it's like, I can't say half of the words, but there's reasons why it's there. God put it all there. He put it all there for a purpose. So although the writers wrote, God inspired God inspired them. We talk about verbal and plenary inspiration. Um, verbal means that every word of the scripture is God-breathed. Every single word. Not just the ideas, but the very words. In the original, God put, and he had them write down the things that he wanted written down. I remember uh, preaching here and talking about uh, Paul writing from prison and sitting there wondering, will they ever get this? Not will they ever get the message, will they ever actually get the letter, right? And yet God inspired it, God protected it, God took it, God gave it to them. It's been preserved so that we have it for today. It's inspired verbally, it's inspired. And then the idea of plenary inspiration means it's, it's complete or it's full. Um, all the parts of Scripture, they're equally divine in origin, they're equally important, they're equally authoritative. So we believe that the word of God is inspired, it's breathed out from God. We believe that it's inerrant, it doesn't have mistakes. It's not. It's not filled with errors, 
Uh, There are things we don't yet understand and are being fulfilled, and we see them rolled out. You hear places in the Bible, and guys, well, that that place never existed. No one's ever found that. And then archaeologists, like 50 years later, they find the place, right? Just because it hasn't been found yet or hasn't been revealed doesn't mean it's not true. But the things that are in God's word are true, and God's word is inspired by God, but it's an errant um, God used men with all of their personalities and writing styles and their accumulated vocabularies. Used all of that, put it together to give us the word of God that is without error. And then here's the third thing. It's infallible. God's word um, is incapable of error. It's God's word. Um, in Isaiah 55, 11, it says, My word that comes from my mouth will not to return to me empty but it will accomplish what I please and and will prosper in what I send it to do. So God's word is inspired. It's breathed out. God's word is inerrant. It is not have mistakes. God's word is infallible. It it cannot fail. Um, This is the tool that God gave us, but this tool, the means of this tool was God breathed it out for us. God breathed it out for us. because it's through knowing the word of God, it's through hearing the word of God that we come to know Jesus Christ. And so we have this means, we have the tool, we have the means by which we got it through God breathing out. And then we have its purpose in our text. In our, in our, the text goes on and, and in the verse says, all scripture is breathed out for, by God and is profitable. It's profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. God's word is profitable, it's beneficial, it's useful, it's helpful, it's advantageous for us. As you go through the difficulties of life, this is the anchor you can go back to. This is the place where you can find hope and you can find encouragement. It's in the word of God. Now, I remember as a youth pastor in Ajax a long time ago, um, had a couple of guys in my youth group and they would come and we had a hard time getting students to bring their Bibles, stuff like that. Like, but these guys always had their Bibles, always. They come in, always had their Bibles. And, uh, and I was talking to them, I told them I was thank- how thankful I was that they always had their Bibles when they came to Bible study at, at youth and they were a little sheepish about it. So I pressed a little harder and, and what I found out was after the Bible study was done, they took it and put it up on the shelf in the church and when they came back the next week, they picked it up and came to Bible study. So it looked really sweet what they were doing, but they weren't, they weren't in the word of God. They weren't learning the word of God. God's word is profitable, but it's only going to be profitable if you're using it. It's only going to be profitable if you're in it. And we need to be in God's word. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints, of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intention of the heart. You want, you want to do some own, your own heart surgery? You just start reading God's word. Let it work in your heart. Let it work in your life. Uh, we need to be in God's word. We need to be reading God's word. Why? Because it's profitable. It's beneficial for us. You will not grow as a follower of Jesus Christ if you are not in the word of God. It's just not even possible. Um, It's profitable for us. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, 11 says, your word have I hid in my heart. Why? So that I won't sin against you. 
Um, if you've got a sin rampant in your life and, and just every day you're just wrestling and struggling, I, I'm pretty sure you're not spending time in the book. If you, if you want to read a chapter of the Bible, it'll take you a little while to do it. You want to read a chapter of the Bible that kind of gives you the benefits and the blessings of the Word of God? It's Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Um, I preached Psalm 119 here a number of years ago. We took two summers to do it. There's 22 different parts to the Psalm. And the theme, one of the guys I was talking to, another pastor goes, you're preaching Psalm 119? Every message is the Word, the Word the word, right? And it is. He was right. Except there's different applications and different points that are being made. And, and so Psalm 119 drives you back to what is the word? And then we come to uh, the New Testament. In the beginning was the word, talking about Jesus Christ. And the word was with God and the word was God. See, the purpose of this book is to push us to see and understand who Jesus Christ is. The purpose of this book is to reveal the Son of God and God's plan of redemption for us and the hope that we have in eternal life. If you're not spending time in God's word, you're not understanding the Savior. God's word is profitable. It's profitable. As uh, Paul's writing to Timothy, he tells him some things that it's going to be profitable for. This is all introspective as you take a look at yourself, but as you use it, and he lists some things. He says, it's profitable for teaching and for doctrine. Really, it's profitable to tell us what is true about God, what is true about man, what is true about the world we live in. Remember last week, we went through that whole list of things of what the world looks like. Yeah, well, Paul wanted to make sure Timothy understood that. We have that laid out for us in the word of God. It's, it helps us to understand the world we live in. It helps us understand that we have no hope outside of Jesus Christ. It helps us to understand of what is to come for us if we put our trust in Jesus Christ alone for our Savior. The word of God is profitable for teaching. It's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for teaching and doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for reproof. It has the authority to rebuke us. A um, long time ago in this church, a, a guy came up to me after the service and, and he said, thank you once again, Pastor, for a kick in the head. Right? And uh, obviously, in my condition, I don't kick anybody literally in the head. They'd have to lay on the ground before I could do that, Right? He was talking how the word of God was, was rebuking him and what he needed to hear. Um, the word of God has the authority. It's authoritative to rebuke us through the power of God's spirit. See, God's spirit takes his word and he uses that. And sometimes I need a rebuke. Sometimes I need to be straightened out. Um, another way to look at that is it's, it's for reproof, you could say, for the conviction of sin. You don't get into the word. You don't get into the truth that comes from the word. You will live and wallow in sin. And it won't bother you much because you're not under the, you're not under the spotlight of what's being shown in your life. And so God's word is profitable to teach you, but God's word is profitable to rebuke you or to, re, to demonstrate or show the conviction of sin in your life. No one ever came to know Jesus Christ as their savior without knowing the truth of God's word about Jesus Christ coming as the Savior. It's not just a story. 
It's a story that comes out of what God has done. It's a story where our sin is demonstrated. It's a story that our hope is gone. It's a story that our, our need for a Savior is, is accomplished in Jesus Christ. It's a story that reveals if I put my faith in trust in Jesus Christ, I will be saved. It's a story that shows I don't work for it. I don't earn it. God does all of this for me. And so, so then we come under that and the conviction starts because no one seeks after God. There's none righteous, not even one. And so God's spirit starts to work through the truth that we learn from God's word. And then we come to our own brokenness and understanding I need a savior and I trust Jesus Christ. There's, there's a rebuke in that. That's why people reject the gospel because it's like, are you kidding? Are you telling me I'm not good enough? Are you telling me I can't accomplish this on my own? And God's word says you aren't good enough. You can't accomplish it on your own. And you have to receive the truth of that, the correction of that, the rebuke of that, and then you come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. That's what happens in our salvation. It happens in our walk. When we're not walking with God and we're in sin, and then we find ourselves under the rebuke of God's word. Uh, maybe even as I'm speaking, you're like, yeah, I got that thing going on in my life and I'm not really dealing with that. And how do you know that? Because you know it because of the truth of God's word. God's word is profitable. It's profitable as teaching and doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. That's the conviction of sin. It's profitable for correction. It has the authority to correct us. It shows us what is wrong. Correction of error leading to obedience and restoration. And so when I get my mind off and I start thinking things that aren't right and I start thinking I'm more than I ought to be and I allow pride to get in the, my in first place in my life and the Holy Spirit and God and working in humility aren't first in my life, God's word has the power and the authority to come and to correct me, to correct me. It's an important book. It's a breathed out book by God that's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. And then the last thing it says, and for training in righteousness. The Amplified Bible says this, learning to live in conformity to God's will. Learning to live in conformity to God's will. I like this next part though. Both publicly and privately. Behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage for training in righteousness that I be conformed to the image of God, not only in my public life that everyone is watching, but in my private life when I think no one is watching. Uh, God is, but I think no one is watching. It, it helps me to be conformed to the will of God, that I would behave honorably, be a person of integrity and person with moral courage to stand for what I know is true, stand for what I believe in. See, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. It's profitable. It's profitable for teaching, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That's the purpose of the word of God. Now here's the goal. Here's the goal. So we have this book, we have this book that's breathed out. Paul's, Paul's writing to Timothy, you, you've been taught from the time your grandmother taught you, your mom taught you, I have taught you, I've taught you the truths of God's word, all of these things that we're seeing, it's breathed out by God for you so that God can use it, you can work through it, you can work it into your life, you can use it in the lives of others, but why, why? Here it is, that the man of God may be complete, that the man of God may be complete, it needs to be proficient. You'll have the tools you need. 
God doesn't leave us without the tools that we need. Uh, God gave the Holy Spirit to us, using that word carefully as a tool, but God gave us the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to help us. But God gave us his word, and his word is given to us that we will be proficient, that we can be complete. Proverbs 2, 1 to 6 says this, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments um, with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord give wisdom from his mouth um, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments. The goal is that we will be proficient. Well, proficient for what? Well, it says right in the text, equipped for every good work. Equipped for every good work. Literally, to be outfitted with everything you need to fight the good fight of faith. What you need to fight the good fight of faith with God's spirit working in you is found in the pages of this book. If we reject it, if we ignore it, we don't have the tools that we need. We aren't going to be proficient. We aren't going to be equipped for every good work. It it gives us everything we need for whatever life throws at us. You'll be equipped for every good work. All scripture breathed out by God, profitable for teaching and or doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God might be, may be complete. Well, so what? So what? Remember that verse we started, the big idea, Romans 15, 4? For whatever is written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. God has given us the Bible. He's given us the truth of his word, that we can live righteous lives, fully equipped, ready to serve for the glory of God. A number of years ago, I I found this thing I read it in church. It's called, This is My Bible. This is my Bible. Now, there's a guy down in in, um, Texas who does a This is My Bible thing in his message. And he says, this is my Bible, blah, 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 And then they never use the Bible in their church. Okay? This is not that one. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I'm going where it says I am going. God's word is milk for my soul. God's word is seed for my faith. God's word is light for my path. God's word is power for my victory. God's word is freedom for my, my life. When I read God's word, it brings me joy. When I study God's word, it keeps me from shame. When I memorize God's word, it purifies my heart. When I quote God's word, it defeats my enemies. When I meditate on God's word, it brings me success. When I abide in God's word, it brings me confidence. I am a Bible-believing follower of Jesus Christ. 
and you should be too. To know God's word and to do it. To live out for the glory of God in faithfulness. God's word shows, I love that God's word shows the warts and all on the people. I read Job and I see his struggle. I hear Paul say the things I should do, I don't do. I, I see Peter denying Christ. God's word doesn't hide those things. God, when he revealed himself to us, he just revealed us in how ugly we are and how much we need a savior. This is God's word. It's breathed out by God and it's profitable that we might be thoroughly furnished, thoroughly equipped to do the work of God. Isaiah 40, verse 8, says this. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If that's true, and it is, then we ought to live lives way more focused on what this book has to say than what my friends have to say, way more focused on what this book has to say than what the news has to say, way more focused on this than, you know, what group thinks has to say than we, we need to get focused on God's word. It, it's way more important than any other book that's on my shelf. This is God's word, and I am a Bible-believing follower of Jesus Christ. And if you are, we need to be more and more growing and being people of the book for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word, the Bible that we hold in our hands. More importantly, or as importantly, thank you for the word, Jesus Christ, who was revealed to us. Father, we can be so sloppy in our busyness, so sloppy in all the tools and toys that we have that your, your word gets put on the shelf far too often in our lives. Other thoughts, other people, other, other ideas come, and, and we don't lean on your word like we should teach us, Lord, how to do that. Teach us to be people of the book. For the person who's here today who's like, I hardly even know what the Bible is, I hardly even know. Lord, would you give them the courage and boldness to step in and, and get into books like John and Philippians and Ephesians and, and begin to understand who you are and what you've done and, and just take the journey and trust your word and move forward for the glory of God. 100% guarantee on this book. Lord, would we believe that? Would we live it out for your fame? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.